Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning on this World Communion Sunday. Our scripture comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and chapter 2, verses 5 through 12. <clears throat> Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now God did not subject the coming world about which we are speaking to angels, but someone has testified somewhere, what are human beings that you are mindful of them or mortals that you care for them? You have made them for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. Now, in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them, but we do see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Now, there's a beautiful song from Alabama in 1993 called Angels Among Us. It opens with the story of a young boy lost in the woods, and an old man finds him and leads him home. His mother couldn't see the man, but the boy knew he was there. He was an angel sent by God. And the chorus goes like this. I believe there are angels among us, sent down to us from somewhere up above. They come to you and me in our darkest hours to show us how to live, to teach us how to give, to guide us with the light of love. Beautiful tribute to angels, God's created beings that some of us humans have been privileged to see. In the Bible, angels serve God in many ways. They are either bringing messages to, like to Mary and Joseph or protecting someone like Lot just before Sodom is destroyed or providing special food and nourishment like for Elijah when he was running away from Jezebel or even using their special God-given powers to do amazing things like break Peter out of jail shut the mouths of lions to keep them from hurting Daniel. And we have a fascination with angels, don't we? I know quite a few people that collect all things angels, but there are songs, books, artistic renderings from some of the most skilled artists of all time, like Michelangelo, that fuel our imagination about these heavenly beings. We usually think of angels as beautiful and holy creatures that are all around us doing God's bidding but invisible unless God grants us the ability to see them, like that young boy in the song. And then they can take on human form, so we still might not know they are really angels sent by God. 
There's a passage in 2 Kings chapter 6 that captures one of my favorite angel scenes. In this story, the king of Aram is at war with Israel and has some really good strategies. However, it seems that God gives the prophet Elijah the intel on what's going to happen, and Elisha shares that with the king of Israel at every time Aram's plans are crushed. When he hears that Elisha is the one responsible for ruining his plans, he sends an army to surround Dothan, where Elisha is living at the time. So picture this. Dothan is a walled city and is surrounded by an invading army. They knew they were going to be attacked, and looking at the size of that army, it wasn't going to go well for them. Elisha is up early in the morning, standing on the wall with his servant, surveying the scene, cool as a cucumber. But the servant is terrified, as are the inhabitants of the city. Alas, master, he says, what shall we do? And here's where I let my imagination run a bit dramatic. As I see in my mind's eye, Elisha turning to stare at his servant, giving him a long, hard look before looking once again out over the army. With all the confidence of his faith, he says, do not be afraid for there are more with us than there are with them. Then he prays, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And the servant looks out and sees another army, an army of angels sent by God. The verse says, The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Not everyone can see God's messengers or servants we know as angels, but by faith we can know that they are always there doing God's supernatural work in heaven and in the world. We seem to have gotten to a place, though, where we want to be like them, to have their beauty and power. And also, we've come to believe that human beings will become angels when they pass through this life and into the next. How many people we love that have died do we depict with angel wings? Like the picture of Gabby Petito going around standing by a painting of angel angel wings, making the unspoken suggestion that she is an angel now that she's died. But is that true? Are any of us ever going to be angels? Somehow, we might think that's comforting, but this passage reminds us that although being an angel has its perks, human beings are truly the most blessed creatures of all times. This passage speaks about the relative rank of angels in God's scheme of things. What does it mean to say God made Jesus a little lower than the angels? What does it mean that when when it says that God made us that way too? This passage explains our place in the God-ordained universe and helps us understand what our faith is all about. As we explore the place of angels and humans in God's creation, we can gain a better insight to the treasure Each and every human being is to God, and maybe we won't want to be angels, wonderful as they are, because we will understand that what what God has planned for his greatest creation, us. The book of Hebrews is like a primer for our faith, teaching us some of the basic tenets of what God has done in and through Jesus Christ. And the writer starts by telling us exactly who and what Jesus is. He is the Son of God through whom all things were created. He is the reflection of God's glory, which means he is, as it says next, the exact imprint of God's very being, God in the flesh. Jesus is God. This is also where we hear Jesus is the very word of God, the voice that spoke creation into being, and the same word that speaks life to us 
through our Holy Scripture, what we call the living word. Before Jesus, this holy word was passed on to us through other means, like the prophets, signs, and wonders God performed for his people. God now speaks perfectly through Jesus, the one who sanctifies us, the one who has given us an inheritance far beyond what we could hope for on earth. Hebrew tells us that after Jesus atoned for our sins on the cross, he sat down and took his place at the right hand of God, the seat of highest honor for the son who made the largest sacrifice. In that seat, he is now superior to the angels. But the passage goes on to remind us that the sacrifice required him to be made a little lower than the angels for a time. What does that mean? Well, good question. My feeble mind often has difficulty embracing the whole heaven on earth concept. So I revert to the heaven is in the sky and people are in the world down here mentality. I believe that concept is at work in the writer's mind, too, as they write to help those reading this book understand. So if angels are in heaven, or at least until God sends them to do something on earth, being on earth is essentially being a little lower than the angels. What it doesn't mean is that angels are somehow a greater being than humans. I really think that it means we are physically lower than the angels. So it makes sense when we read that God made Jesus a little lower than the angels for a time that it refers to his physical human existence. Angels have special powers given by God and go freely back and forth from heaven to earth. Human beings cannot. Jesus could not while he was in human form, even if he was also fully divine with all the powers of God. He limited himself and took his place on the earth with human beings. We call that the incarnation. Christmas day, baby Jesus born to a human mother, fully God and fully human. But why? What was the purpose of all that? To redeem the created beings God loved the most, us. Before human beings were created, <clears throat> we were designed and planned for in love, complete, unconditional, unending love by the creator. And we are God's special creations, so special that within every human created, the image of God was implanted into our very being. No human being ever born was created without that image. I want that thought to sink in a bit. Before you were created, God thought of you, planned for you. And like an indelible mark, as you were being formed, placed in a placed a bit of his very self within you. People are always talking about the ways the government can mark us, keep track of us, and it's not a good conversation. But this isn't like that at all. This is our creator God giving us his image that reveals to all creation who and whose we are, that we were created by love, out of love, and for love, since truly God is love. And this is one thing the angels don't have. This image wasn't given to angels, only God's crowning glory in creation, human beings. And because that part of God lives in us, God gave us dominion over all creation. God is all-powerful with authority over all creation. The image of God within us allows us to share in that authority as he calls us his children, heirs, to his created world. 
and we don't know why. King David writes in Psalm 8, and it's repeated here, Who are human beings that you are mindful of them, or mortals that you care for them? What did we do to deserve it? Nothing. The love and grace of God has done this, even after the fall, when sin came into the world and we turned away from the love of our Creator. God's love never left us. He left that image planted within us and still calls us His children. To save us, to restore our relationship with Him, God made Himself a little lower than the angels, taking on our flesh, our sins, and the death that comes as a consequence of sin. He came to earth, walked among us, loving us, restoring that image of God within our hearts by carrying all those sins, the hurts and pain to the cross to save us from sin and death. He made the ultimate sacrifice for all human beings everywhere, the least, the last, the lost, the adulterers, the thieves, the murderers, the liars, the selfish and those full of pride, the addicted, the violent and angry, the misled and confused, all of them, all of us. We have been redeemed. We have new life through Jesus Christ. And here is why we wouldn't really want to be angels. Jesus did all of that for human beings, the ones indelibly marked with the image of God. Jesus did not die for the angels, only sinful, undeserving human beings. He died for you. He died for me. In his atoning sacrifice, paying the price for our sins and restoring us to our place as children of God, he was made higher than the angels as he took his place in heaven at the right hand of God. He sat down. Three of the most beautiful words in scripture, which means that what he did, he did this once for all. No further work needs to be done to give us that salvation. As he said on the cross, it is finished. All we need is to claim that salvation by our faith in Christ. Hebrews 2.16 goes on to say, for it is clear that he did not come to help angels, but the descendants of Abraham. And 2 Peter 2.4 tells us that God did not spare the angels when they had sinned, but cast them into hell. There are good angels and what we call fallen angels, angels condemned to serve with the devil for all eternity because they have turned from God and their divine purpose. God has not made a way for their redemption, only for human beings. We have the possibility and promise of eternal life, the ability to share in all the promises of God. So what does that mean for us? Well, first, we can know without a doubt that God loves us, that we are worth redeeming. We have value and for that reason alone cannot see ourselves as unworthy. And that can be a tall order. Most of us struggle with our self-worth. We see the mistakes far more easily than the good things we do. If God loves us so much that he would do anything to restore our value, to give us life, then we should be able to find a balance that helps us recognize our faults humble ourselves before God while finding ways to move closer to being who we were created to be. Don't give up on yourself when God never did and never will. 
Second, we can begin to see all human beings as special to God. Every human being has that image of God living within them. They may not see it, and sin may be trying to snuff that out, but it never can. That image is there. World Communion Sunday is a good time to remember this because as we celebrate the global church, we celebrate that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Christ says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. Each created being, human being, has value to God, is special to God, is loved by God. And this knowledge alone can help us understand the sanctity of all human life. When I heard that in Texas, a single clinic's normal day included 20 abortions, it took my breath away. 20 human beings, precious to God, just eradicated every day. Now, I'm not making a statement about abortions in general, so don't take it that way and send me a messy email. Even our book of discipline knows there are circumstances when there seems to be no other choice. But 20 a day? Where is that sanctity of life? And I've also heard people talk about the children some women have, not as though each life is precious, but as though it's an inconvenience or a drain on the economy. Maybe as God's children, precious to God ourselves, we can see all human beings worthy of life simply because God created them. We don't know why we were given the gift of life and given such favor in God's created world, but we can be sure that every human given the image of God is loved enough for Jesus to come for their salvation just like he came for ours. When we can do that, maybe we can see ourselves as worthy of life and find ways to help others know that value for them too. One danger of knowing our place in God's kingdom, what Christ has done for us, is thinking too highly of ourselves. When that happens, we begin to look down on others and somehow see other human, another human being as less than. But if we can remember the image of God in all people, maybe we can step down from our high horse of pride. We may have more money, have made better choices, but we must humble ourselves and remember that all people around the world, no matter where or how they live, or what caused them to be in the situation they are now, are equal to us in the eyes of God. We are all created by God, and for a time we are a little lower than the angels. Through faith in Christ, all who receive his precious gift of salvation will be given glory and honor, made superior to the angels as we take our place, given to us solely by the grace of our loving God. There are angels in the world. I have seen them and so have many others. Hebrews 13.2 reminds us, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. Be thankful for the angels God uses to watch over us, to send messages of hope, to guide us. I know I'm thankful for mine. I give them a run for their money every day. But be thankful that God, in his mercy and grace, gave us his image and sent his son to give us redemption from our sins and eternal life, gifts the angels will never have. 
Now, don't go telling someone who lost someone they love that your pastor said they wouldn't really be angels. That would be a hurtful thing to say if it gives them comfort to believe their loved ones are angels now. Just know that God made us separate from angels, and we are given so much more. Let us claim our place as brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, redeemed by the cross, prepared to do good works for the good of all, a little lower than the angels for now, but some sweet day, a place of glory and honor in heaven, superior to the angels, standing tall with Jesus Christ. Amen.